How does it feel to know that Zach doesn't like you? But <laughs> 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 I'll somehow, some way. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Geeks Camp, the home of RPG goodness and general tomfoolery. My name is Zach, and the host joining me this evening uh, is Pirate Captain Troy Sandlin. How you doing? Our mateys! <laughs> oh, you suck. You brought goodies and cosplay? Oh. I might. I can't get my headset back on. <laughs> uh, well, that was, yeah, sure. Uh, and then, yeah, and then we've got um, first mate, John Christian. How you doing? I was about to say, I had to be at least the first mate. So, okay. uh, first of all, what's a pirate, pirate's favorite letter? R. Right? Wrong. Uh, <laughs> it beats be the C. Right, right on. I love it. So, it, it's, it's a shame that Troy is not here in the same room with us, because if he's the captain and I'm the first mate, I'm kind of like the Gilligan to his skipper. So he could swat at me with his hat <laughs> whenever whenever I say something stupid, which is pretty much the entire episode. So, hi, Zach. Hello. Uh, so this is uh, National Talk Like a Pirate Day. And we're not talking right. like pirates, but we're going to do a pirate here's episode. Give me time. Mm, Just give, well, give me, some of us. I'll do it for the rest of the episode. That won't be annoying at all. <laughs> you, you don't make problems. You can't keep. You know what sucks? Neither one of you have the mute button. I do. <laughs> mm. Mm. Yes, I'm excited about this though. We we get to talk about uh, we get to talk about pirates and privateers. We're going to talk about seafaring yeah, yeah. adventures. Um, that's yeah, awesome. Yeah. But before we do that, um, do we have any news or or updates in the RPG side of things that we want to cover? John, I know you have something. Yeah, I got yeah, I got something too. Go ahead, Troy. Why don't you go first? Mine's kind of like the. I think that mine's the. Yours is the, the big uh, one. The um, Taylor, yeah. Yeah, I just wanted to make sure everybody knew that uh, if you were interested in Delta Green on Bundle of Holding, you can get a huge uh, pirate chest of Delta Green booty. Booty. Oh, thank you. For, for like, like $42 or something like that. It's, nice. Yeah, it's big. Sweet. Big. Nice. Nice. Big booty is always the best booty. Listen, uh, uh, that site would get so much money from me if they would ever run physical bundles. Right. I because I can't do PDF only, and mm. um, I, I there's a million people that do, and I love that humble bundle is out there for them, and that's a great deal, and you should go get Delta Green stuff. I'm saying for me, if there was a Delta Green humble bundle that was five bucks for whatever discount, I would lose money every month. I'd be in the hole. So mm. I can see that there are certain things that I, I do want that are in, in the bundles that are PDF that are mm-hmm. fine. Right. Yeah. But I do wish that I could get some physical copies of stuff out of it too. That'd be pretty, pretty slick. I, I kind of look at it. Like, I mean, I know it's like spending money on top of money for the same thing, but like I'll snag the, the, the bundle of holding or whatever and yeah. check it out. And it'd be like, yeah, I like this enough to. Own yeah. It. I can see yeah. that. I picked up a few bundles when it's like, I will probably never be able to get these things. Um, Like, I picked up the Adventures in Middle-Earth bundle when that happened Mm -hmm. some time ago. So I'm like, it's unlikely that I will be able to acquire all of those books. So, just do it this way. Well, that's cool. That's awesome. Um, I've got a couple little things, John, if we want to save yours for for last. Um, So, I'm going to give a little hype. I put out a video on this. today but i'm just going to give a little hype for this i thought you guys might have some interesting thoughts i just reviewed a new rpg it's coming to kickstarter um and it's called the hidden isle and it goes with a tarot deck called the spheres of heaven Mm. um it is an rpg that is centered around 16th century our world but with an island, a hidden island, believe it or not, uh, that is kind of like um, what Wakanda, right? In the mm, sense okay. that it is like cooler than all the other places on Earth, right? And and tucked away and hidden from from the rest of uh, the world. And so you play as a hero from that island, 
and you go on missions to like, you know, correct or steer the world in different things. Right. Mm. And magic is real on the Island, of course. And, um, uh, so what I like about it though, is that in game, your characters and, uh, and your communities are revolve around tarot readings and mechanically everything mechanical is based around not just tarot readings, but tarot cards. There's no dice. Hmm. but imagine this right okay let me pitch you the coolest part of this game because i got it i got this is this is this blew my mind a little bit all right so john imagine a world where your character is really good in a suit instead of a a, a, a like stealth or dexterity they're really good in a suit which, which is of of the deck that is tied to maybe s- skills that are like stealth or dexterity mm-hmm. right and then, so you'll, you'll draw, so you want to like, say, sneak into this thing and we say, oh, that's part of the, the sword suit, right? And so you would draw a certain number of cards based on the number of points that you have in that suit. And then you would draw more cards if you have a skill. So you're building a hand of numbered cards out of the deck based off that. The GM sets the difficulty and the difficulty is how they draw their hand. Mm. So you have two hands, right? And then you mm-hmm. ba- both pick the card that you want to play and you place them face down. You reveal them at the same time. And the person with the highest card wins unless there's unless the trump, that particular suit, has been played. In that case, it can trump the other one or whatever, right? What Here's the thing. Like, why does that feel like Deadlands to me? Well, there's some it... aspects of that, right? Because yeah. it's a playing card. But, but here's the cr- cool thing that I love about it, right? As a game master, you might have a high trump card in your hand, but you are not required to play it. You could play a low one if you want. If you drew a low card and you're like, it's important that this character succeed in this, you could play a low one and they would never know. Your players would never know that you chose to play a card that's inferior to another one in your hand. So it's like huh. fudging dice rolls in D&D, but it's built into the game, and there's mechanics around it so that the GM, even though they are they they have to draw and they have a limited range of cards to choose from, they get to decide how the fate either opposes or is in favor with the PCs. Or are they possibly saving cards in their hand for later so that they can increase they read, the challenge or make things that's cool. Are there redrawn? are there are ways for you to influence your cards and the GM's cards by being able, like there's a little fortune deck that you can utilize and things like that, um, and, and abilities can manipulate it. But at its core, it's that. And I just thought, what a fascinating mechanic that the GM is like built in that they can determine to some extent. Now, obviously, if you draw three, if you draw three cards and they're all super high trump cards, mm-hmm. you're out of luck. Right. But there is this, yeah, yeah. That's cool. I like that. I like it is. It is interesting to see the different uh, methods and means they use outside of using dice, right? And something that's going to be easily accessible, like a like a regular deck of playing cards, not some like a CCG style of uh, of card play. That's cool. Yeah, yeah. Anyhow, I dug it. I du- oh. I dig the idea. I really want to tr- like play a game now um, and see how it feels. But yeah. Mm-hmm. So well, I think, go ahead. if you if you want, if, as a game master, if you want the player to succeed, why ask for a draw in the first place? Because you, you don't know. You still have to draw cards because the fate could give you high cards. It could give the player low, only low cards. Like there's a possibility. But if you if it's a if it's a significant task, you know, do you think it's cool that the, the player says, I want to sneak up behind this guard and like kill him, right? Like, like kill them silently like like, you know get a garrote and you know bring them down you might as a gm might be like oh that's a cool scene but they still got to roll for it because it's a it's a guard in a palace right and there's a chance it messes up well you could have draw but then you could say no this is cool let's 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 let it happen right but you might give a four of swords and be like no i'm giving a low card it's not trump not a problem but then the player might have drawn like the two and the three of swords and have no choice but to play something that's gonna fail against yours right like there's still a chance even if you chose to play a low card the player may be forced to play a card that's even lower so it's wild troy's (laughs) troy's troy's brow is knitted for the podcast (laughs) 
Yeah. <laughs> His yeah. furrow. Yeah, yes. I would have uh, to see it in action. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, the other thing, real quick, we don't need to spend a lot of time on this, mm-hmm. but I started the Blade Runner RPG. Oh, yeah. Um, and I will, I will say that as a word of warning for people, this is incredibly not the same year Zero Engine as you're used to. Mm-hmm. Wildly different system. It's so called Year Zero, but it is like, as Thick Troy said, it's the Blade Runner system or the Blade Runner Year Zero system. Um, no D6 dice pools are out. There's no D6 dice pools. Uh, now you have D6s, D8s, D10s, D12s. The most dice you're ever rolling at any period of time is three dice, and most of the time you're only rolling two. Um, and you can, yeah, it's, it's wild. So I will say I'm, we're having a great time with it. I really like the game. I'm really digging the system, but do not buy this game thinking that you're, it's going to be an easy segue from alien. It is not, it feels like an entirely different gaming system. So <clears throat> yes. Um, so that's my quick little note for blade runner. We'll talk about it more probably later, but there you go. John, you got the next thing. I do. I got a precursor. Well, actually, uh-huh. it's a two-parter, actually. I think the, fir- the first, the big thing that came out today was um, D&D, D&D Beyond released a new feature as a part of the website called Maps, D&D Maps, which is effectively just a light VTT that is built around just maps, really. And it, it uh, incorporates some of the, the dice rolling mechanics, and there's some bridge that happens there with the, with the, the character sheets and things like that. Mm. It is, and when I say simple, it's very simple, and it's very much an alpha state. It's not even in a beta state. You could tell that there's still a lot of work that's, that needs to be done on this. Um, the, the basic gist of it is you have uh, a GM UI players have a have a player ui they can't see all the things the gm can see so most of the things that you're familiar with with the virtual tabletop like albert rodeo foundry uh roll 20 and things like that where they're not going to be able to see everything uh there were some things that were pretty neat where like um you have fog of war that's in it uh but uh or not fog of war but like uh i guess it's fog of war but you can reveal certain areas of the map but the cool thing is instead of doing like the polygon shaping tools or or uh, like drag and dropping big square blotches and things like that. You can just use a brush. You can essentially nice. erase the area, which that's it's nice. And the shapes right. are organic shapes instead of geometric hard angled shapes. So that's kind of a nice thing. Uh, it's um, like I said, it's really really simple. There's really not a whole lot to it. They even said themselves so things like uh, players being able to ping or show their cursor or things like that. That's not there. Players can move all tokens just like the, the GMs can. That's not going to be a problem, I'm sure. Um, so I, it's it really is just a lot, a lot of fiddling and, and tinkering at this point. They did say uh, that explicitly that they're going to continue to support this and they're going to work on the 3D virtual tabletop mm-hmm. at the same time. So both of them will be available. I have a feeling that some of that is comes from system resource availability. This this uh, this D and D maps is probably going to be a lot lighter uh, of a, a workload on PCs and laptops yeah. and things like that, and you'll probably be able to. You may actually, I think, you can actually use your mobile, and it's uh, and it's actually mobile ready, and it works pretty well with mobile right now. I think um, so. A lot of it's going to be resource driven. So those three D rendered virtual tabletop um, bits, those are going to be resource hogs. I would think not like. It's not going to be like uh, playing Modern Warfare or anything like that on highest uh, on your highest graphic settings, but it'll tax machines, I'm sure. Yeah. Oh yeah. Uh, especially yeah. if it's going to be browser based. If it is, if it is browser based, then it'll have some kind of an application or a, an extension yeah. or something like that that's running in the background. I'm yeah. sure it will be. Now I watched that video that they mm-hmm. that they dropped, and there was one thing on there that I thought was absolutely fantastic, mm. and that was. You, you can set your token to a certain size and mm. you say, okay, this token is, it, this is my character token and this is going to be medium. Mm-hmm. And then when you drop a token in from somewhere, from, from something else, like if you drop in the Tarask token, 
and it's gargantuan, it auto sizes that token to be gargantuan compared to your mm -hmm. base token. Nice. And it, and it does yeah. it for every single token that has a size attached to it. I'm like, that's freaking awesome. I love yeah. that. Yeah, I've heard the same thing. That's, that's I saw the same thing. That's pretty cool. I think another thing that's really interesting interesting about this is that they I believe today was the release day for the uh, Shattered Obelisk, Fandelver uh, adventure. Mm -hmm. That there is immediate support for that adventure in the new maps table. Uh, the oh, the cool. new maps VTT. So all of those maps already have all that kind of stuff built in. Nice. Where this is like it is an open alpha test by being able to right. use if you and if you purchase I think it's like if you have the is it the master subscription yeah if you have a master subscription you could use it yeah. and, and so if you have the master subscription and you have the adventure both you've got everything that you need to be able to run it as a, as a very simple tabletop VTT uh, in D and D Beyond hmm. yep. and and honestly that's kind of like the part two to this is that the Shattered Obelisk did come out. And I saw, read through at least a little bit of it. We'll probably go, we could probably go into more, deeper detail uh, later on. But I noticed that the first four chapters are almost identical to yes. uh, the starter set, uh, with a couple of like minor encounter sm smudges and smidges here and there. Like, mm -hmm. I think there were six skeletons in a room instead of three originally, and things like that. So, and yeah. I think, if I'm not mistaken, they kind of tweaked some of the, the magical items to, to go in line with. Uh, I think they removed some and they added some here and there, or they spread them out a little bit more so that they're not front loading as many magical items as they had in the starter so, set. So it has Lost Minds of Fandelver yes. as part of this. Yes. Yes. Okay, cool. Yes, yeah, it does. Cool. It pretty much opens almost exactly the same way. I did see, I also saw a lot of the art is fantastic. They've added additional art in where uh, for Lost Minds of Fandelver for that adventure. So there's more, more, uh, more of a visual aesthetic that's available for it too, which is pretty, pretty cool. Yeah. Would you, based off of what you've seen so far, would you recommend somebody picking up the new book, uh, John? I've only really gone through that first four chapters just to see the differences between them. I do know some of the spoilers about what the main bad guys are and what the MacGuffin is and everything like that. It's, it's. I think it's more of a classic D and D adventure. They're they kind of zigged on some mm. of the tropes and the direction that they could have gone in it. So it's pretty interesting. I'd probably pick it up and run it. I think it's right now just not, the first flush looks pretty good, but that's only because it comes off the back of Lost Minds, which is just a fantastic adventure anyway. So they're right. building off of that, off of that brand, which is what they should have mm. done, been doing the whole time. But mm, yeah, well, yeah, <laughs> interesting. Well, and Mike is asking if the content is the same. It's not exactly the same. There are changes to the fourth to the first four chapters of that Lost Minds chat um, adventure, but. It's not considerable. Most of it, like I said, is encounter based. So it's mechanical, yeah. or but those the guts of the story are effectively still there, and the beats. So there's about about doubles the size of it. Is 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 the feel? It looks yes. like to me because there's I think four it chapters to what, what, that 15? get to fifteen chapters or fifteen. Yeah, no, level fifteen. Uh, I'd I'd have to go back and take a look again, uh, but I, like I said, I only got I skimmed through it. Here at the very at today, level twelve. Whenever I want to come through, but yeah, mm. yeah. Girk says level twelve. That was well. That's cool. Cool. All right. It's about right. Awesome. It's about as far as anybody ever gets in D and D these days without it just completely falling apart on them. So, yeah, that just goes yeah. that goes with the territory. There's eight chapters, Mike, and and four of the chapters are content you you're already familiar with, and then four of them are new, 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 new stuff. And the ultimate yeah, is slick. We should maybe we could maybe do a quick read. Through. I don't know. I don't know. We might we might take a peek at that. You know what we should do is we should do a catch up episode where we talk about all the books that we haven't talked about in the mm. last few months from D and D. Right? Yeah. There's a considerable. There's just, yeah, there's yeah, there's a lot several. of them. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. Cool. Awesome. Well, uh, shall we move on to the, the main segment of the show and talk about pirates? Oh, yes. Arr. Let's do it. About pirates, not at, like pirates. So. <laughs> All right. Oh, so let's uh, let's talk about pirates. This is, a, again, talk like a pirate day. 
Um, so we thought, you know what? Let's do a pirate-themed episode. Um, and Troy uh, did the suggestion that we extend it beyond the seas and into the stars with our discussion of pirates. Um, so you're going to get a little bit of that. Now, uh, I'm going to forewarn chat that part of the reason that uh, we are, I was gung-ho about that expansion idea is that I've never done like a sailing on the open seas pirate adventure. Um, that sounds cool. I've just never done it, right? So um, our discussion of pirates and privateers would be limited. Uh, but John, you said you came to this with notes, a lot of notes. So yeah. what, where, do, where we'll should we that. start our discussions of pirates? I think the, the first place that I started is like how you actually start the adventure. Right, if you have as a, playing if, as pirates, either as playing it. So part of it is: Are you playing as pirates or are you playing against them? Are you like are you like the merchant marines, and, and you're trying to defend against piracy, or are you a pirate that is trying to? So that's part of it, right? It's like it's the session zero bit, right, between you and the players determining which side of the the coin you want to be on, or if it's going to be a pirate adventure at all, right? Maybe it's just yeah. a seafaring adventure. It's an island hopping adventure. Which I've haven't I've I I'm in the same boat that you are Zach that I have no, neither played in nor run a seafaring adventure and honestly I there's a part of me that's I'm apprehensive about it because I just don't I'm not as like I'm I my, have I don't have sea legs when it comes to running adventures like that right and I don't have a lot of uh, a lot of background or history like I I've, I know Pirates of the Caribbean uh, movies yeah. I've watched some old Errol Flynn stuff and. Uh, and I think the only other was like, a, what is it? Uh, the Gina Davis movie, Cutthroat Island. Mm-hmm. Probably like the only few ex- like examples of pirate adventures to me. And to me, they're like all pretty much the same thing. And if you're into that and that's what you want to do, I get it. But I've never really been into pirate movies and pirate stuff. So it's never I'll, been my bread and butter. I'll tell you, I'm I'm really jazzed about... I've always, I, Like I would be so stoked to do it. But I don't want to do... Right here, we're gonna get into a little bit. I don't want to do it in D and D. I've done the sailing down the coast, and you have encounters and yada yada yada. But if I'm gonna do a pirate campaign, here's the reason I don't want to do it in D and D. I want to have ships as ship combats be mm. a big part of the experience because I think that's what makes it cool. Now, the other thing that makes it cool is exactly what Chris is saying in chat, which is it's a contained space, and your players limited in what they can do because they're on a, a sinkable burnable vessel yep. like there's some cool stuff there but at the end of the day i want that vessel to be a key component mm-hmm. of uh of what's going on and i think that that's the fantasy right like yeah being you know playing as a pirate and saying yar and you know getting treasure is fun but we already do the treasure part and we most D and D parties are pirates, right? They're tomb raiders for sure. Yeah, there's no yeah. doubt about that. I think that for me, like if I were to start anywhere with it, though, as I'm sitting here thinking about it, when you sit and you describe the ships, right? Like you could even go into like Star Wars with this, because really, effectively, mm-hmm. Han Solo was a smuggler, but a lot of piracy was based on uh, smuggling, also. And so, if you think about it, like if like from a it really is soup up your vessel, get it as awesome as you can, outfit it with the best cannons you possibly can, the best hull you can, but you want to make it, you want it to still be light so it can maneuver and can be, it can outrate, outrun like a, like the, the, um, like the, the, the law, so to speak, that kind of stuff yeah. too. Right. So that to yeah. me, I could see the appeal in shipbuilding uh, as a, like an HQ, like a mobile HQ. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, there's probably like, like the chat's talking about, there's a lot of great pirate books out there. There absolutely is. Um, one of my favorite books, um, piratey themed kind of sort of is the, uh, blood sea book from, uh, gosh, dang it. Uh, Onyx path, mm-hmm. Onyx path, mm-hmm. um, which is a sea that's literally a blood sea. Um, that you sail upon, and there's all sorts of weird stuff out there. So, like that to me is sounds very cool. Obviously, Pirate Borg is amazing. That's a whole system, 
Um, and I, I like that would that would jazz me there too. But I think wherever, if I was going to play it, if I was going to pitch it, if I was going to run it, the first thing would be before I look at any other part of the system or the story or the setting would be how to ship sailing and combat work. Mm-hmm. Because if I have to believe hardcore in that, or I don't think it's going to complete the fantasy. Otherwise, it, there's no reason to do it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, I, I think you're right. Because right now with D&D, it's effectively you hand wave the ship parts. You, and it's all narratively driven. Which maybe that's, maybe that's the right way to go about it. Maybe it's not. But there's really not a lot of support mechanically for ship-to-ship combat. And sea, sea combat. Like if you fall overboard and you're fighting underwater and things like that, it gets messy in there too. So... I don't know. They they've got the the ship rules or whatever. They D&D, do, but I mean, but they they're like they're not, not good. good. Yeah, yeah, they're not. They're not, they're not very good. And the the thing you have to worry about, I think, in, in a pirate themed campaign, is kind of the same thing you need to worry about in a sci fi game, and that's when you're doing ship to ship, whether it's on the sea or in open space. Everybody needs something to do. Mm-hmm. And that yes, and you run into that problem because then you're kind of there. There's the danger of ham fisting somebody to oh, well you're going to be the tail gunner. You're going to be you know you're going to load the cannons, which is going to if you make your check, it gives somebody a bonus to the damn you know that kind of a thing. And it's like then it just becomes you're just going around the table, rolling dice to make checks to see. Oh, I get a finally the gunner gets a plus whatever to hit the other ship with this much damage. And you you've kind of taken away agency from the players because well we're just we're stuck in one spot. We have to do the thing. Yeah. Where like well, a, that, a normal combat you can run around and do whatever. But. Well that's what I was I was gonna say. It's like really in D D at least the five E it doesn't really get fun until you get boarded or until you board. And right. honestly, that is the worst case scenario. You right. do not want to get boarded and you don't want to have to board. Well, I mean, mm-hmm. dependent, right? Depending on the crew, right? But like, usually that's the last thing that you want to happen. The rest of the time is trying to outrun or outgun the, mm-hmm. the yeah. other ship or ships, plural. Yeah. I fiddled. He... Go, ahead. Go, ahead. Go ahead. I was going to say, Mike brings up a good point how crunchy do you get? Because that's a lot of it too, right? It's like you're, you know, do you go turn radiuses and mm. how, how quickly you can, you know, bring to bear your, uh, your cannons, you know, that kind of thing is just like, Oh, how is it a miniatures war game or is it a role playing game? What's going yeah. on with it? Because that's the other part of it, right? Like that was my big complaint when it came to kingdoms and warfare, Sorry to trigger you, Mike, um, but with Colville, um, is I despise the rules for warfare in that book. Not because they're bad, but because they they are completely a different game than D and D. And my players are not going to care about learning a whole new system for half of a session and then to play D, go back to playing D and D for eight sessions. Mm-hmm. Um, the same thing is true with the pirating, right? Like, I want the system to flow smoothly in between sailing a ship, firing cannons, all those things that you just talked about, Troy, and also the actions that you're used to doing on a day-to-day. And um, Chad, is, I appreciate you guys like throwing st- uh, ideas for systems or whatnot out there because that's actually very helpful and fascinating too. But um, I think that's the big part of why I haven't done it is because I really want like it's the same reason why I'm always like even though Star Wars is my jam, why I'm mm-hmm. always super hesitant to run Star Wars because I'm like I don't want to do it unless it's gonna be good, right? Unless it's what's gonna the, like what? Is, what's the protocol droid doing in, during, in the middle of ship combat? It's uh, are they doing what are what uh, C three PO does where it's just like run around and talk about the odds, right? Yeah. They really have no other, serve, serve no other purpose. I think yeah. part of that, though, is that it really boils down to scale, right? Like uh, skirmish combat between individuals or, or teams, right, is essentially what D&D really is all about. It's all it's about skirmish warfare as opposed to these, whenever it gets bigger and the things get bigger and it t- you have to operate, 
with uh, with like uh, I mean, vessels are usually going to have anywhere between like 12, 20, sometimes upwards of 100 different crew members that are doing different things. Who are you really? Right. Uh-huh. So I think part of this was like you could probably look to a lot of different systems that are out there. I'm sure one of the ones that I've I've seen probably the closest thing that I've come to a pirates adventure is probably is um, the Warhammer uh, Warhammer Warhammer Fantasy. What is it? Uh, Rogue Trader. Rogue Trader. It's probably the, probably the closest thing. But a lot of that was still the ships were so massive mm-hmm. that they, the ship itself was an adventure. Like if you uh-huh. had to go down into the bowels of the ship and fix the thing. It was like 50 decks down and it's it, they're like, they're like almost like mobile planets or they're like uh ship planets. There's just mm. humongous. Right. And there wasn't a lot of, like a lot of times if you got into, there is ship to ship combat that's in it too. But to your point, it did feel like a mini game. It really yeah. didn't. There wasn't a lot of, there wasn't a bridge between like this, the character scale at skirmish level versus at ship to ship combat level. Uh, no offense taken, Mike, but also I, I, I have been told that Starfinder has a pretty cool uh, ship combat engine. So you are not the first person to tell me that, and that's a that's an impressive thing. I would love mm. to check that out. I've got it sitting over there on the shelf. I should just dive in. Um, but yeah, like, is there another thing though? So let's 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 set aside ships for a minute and like ship combat. Is there another part of private tiering and pirating? that is essential for a great pirate adventure or pirate campaign? Well, I think, I don't know if it's essential, but and we kind of brought it up early on, and that's how do you start? Mm. I, I played in a campaign called Skulls and Shackles, and it was, it was a Pathfinder 1E mm. adventure yeah. path. And I will say, and I, I'm just, you know, my experience as a player, God, I hated it. Mm. Um, you were because you were effectively press ganged into being a pirate, and it was like, but wait a minute, you told us it was going to be a pirate game, so I I made a character that wanted to be a pirate. So why did I? Yeah, you know, and you start off your the other pirates, the NPCs are are trying to break you. Into mm. being part of you're the, crew. the you're the Will Turner, mm-hmm. yeah, and it's like on the wheel of woe, yeah. It's like no, I wanted I wanted to be a pirate already. I don't need I don't need all this. I don't need to be yeah. treated like absolute crap for however many game sessions of being forced to do work and getting beat when I don't do it mm. right. And then you had you were supposed to like try to gain followers to start a mutiny Mm. but it was literally oh you get beat now you're not now you're uh, tired so you get negatives on your work check oh and you have to drink grog otherwise they beat you for not drinking grog if they catch you out they beat you more and it's like how am I supposed to build followers for this mutiny when you're kicking my teeth in every that, time I turn around, mm-hmm. you know what that that the, that captain is just running their ship right. That's what's happening here. Well, that's fair, <laughs> but it was not fun. Right? Yeah. And, I think and, the captain captain hears you you complaining in the like. How am I supposed to like gather as effective mutiny if if every dang time I get beat for doing anything out of line? And the captain's like. Working as like makes it up working as intended, right? Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, but well, machine. But it's like, you know, it's the danger of like in you know uh, out of the abyss. If you don't tell your care your players, hey, we're going to play this campaign, and you're all starting off captured. Yeah, they make yeah. their character, mm-hmm. and it's like, okay, yeah, I'm ready to go. Okay, you wake up in this cage. Yeah. Wait. What? What? You have none of your armor. You have no. Yeah, nothing. you have nothing. You know, and it was like it was just totally like. I want to be a pirate. I yeah. went all you know. It was just it was it was hard. So I do like the idea though of like. Starting an adventure, like what if what if it wasn't like you're forced into piracy, but what if like you start off as like 
either in a in a ship combat or like right after it, and you are like you were a smaller pirate crew who got like overwhelmed by a bigger one and mm-hmm. brought in. So now you gotta like you've already been a pirate in small time. Now you gotta work up the ranks and like find a way to mutiny and become the captain of this bigger crew. Well, that's kind of what I was getting at in my, in my notes. We were talking about like where you where do you begin? I like the idea of them not even having a ship at the very beginning, right? Like. I know that that's that's not very piratey, but it's it is first through third levelly, right? Effectively, right? So it's like, how do you come up to it? Do you is it one in a gambling contest? Is it uh, do you uh, get ships passage or purchase ships passage passage and then steal the vessel, and then you retrofit it however you want to, right? So that's part of it. It's like because then there's more buy in into the ship because that's kind of what we're getting at. It's like the ship is the Millennium Falcon, right? It's the thing that you that you you don't just you, you love this thing. It's a, and it's a part, it's like an extension of you and the rest of the, the crew is an extension of it. Right. So to me, it's like the story of how you came across, how, how you came upon the ship or how the, the ship was, uh, was requisitioned by you is going to be, is, would be compelling to me as a player and as a DM. But the problem, I, I see the problem with that is if you're starting off without a ship, mm-hmm. what are you doing? Trying to acquire the ship. Right. But because to me, then it just becomes a normal D and D campaign or role playing right. game campaign, and it's like, well, I like. So what let's if nobody to wants the... to go get a ship. Well, it's, 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 for me, it's kind of like Death House, right? Death House isn't in Barovia, and it's not in Raven. It's not Ravenloft, but it's the jump point. Right? I'll tell you that that Spelljammer module that's in the Spelljammer book, mm-hmm. which that's piratey, right? Like we're we're in the same conversation here, right? <laughs> the same but, same realm. But yeah. that does what you're talking about, John. But it does it super super well because mm-hmm. you, when you get to that space station, right, and then you got to steal a ship. I don't know if that's part of the real adventure or not. I read like that 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 adventure like five minutes, and then I was like, all right, I'm just going to steal all the pictures and tell my own story. Uh, <laughs> but I think that you steal a ship. But but that was cool. So if you imagine like a dock, one you know the session one, right. You're you just escaped a prison on the island or whatever, right? Yeah. And your your crew now has to go steal a vessel. So yeah. session one, you don't have a ship, but you've got eight ships in port. Some of them are merchant vessels. Some of them are like small little skimmers. Some of them are big like military galleons. And you got to find like pick your target and ac- acquire it and get out of there, mm-hmm. right? Like that could be fun as like an early yeah. But because for, for me, I think maybe the part of it's not necessarily the draw of the the of pirates and piracy but about seafaring adventures maybe i mean that's the, the where i'm leaning to, more towards and that's why to me like docks are equally important to the sea when it comes to seafaring adventures right it's it's the it's the pit stop that you're going to end up making and when you're in dry dock or, or not dry dock when you're in when you're docked or you're at a <laughs> uh, uh in a, like a shipyard or something like that that's equally a part of it but then it does turn to your point it does turn into more of a dnd ish just because, but just because you're not on a vessel and on the open water doesn't mean that it's not a pirate adventure. Yeah, because I would like you're gonna because you're gonna you're also gonna stop make pit stops in the adventures on different island chains trying to find uh, to okay, hide so, and collect treasure and things like so that. So are you right? saying are you saying they're part of a crew to start with, or are you saying it's just hey make your characters now if you want you yeah go, go steal that's a ship. Like, yeah, I think that's part of the, the that's like a, the either the section zero session zero or like the adventure hook is that you are either all part of a crew or were part of a crew or something. You all are motivated towards the same thing. Like I, I like the idea of you're escaping a prison colony or like an island based prison colony, and you have to, you all get off at the same time. You're all on the same ship at the same time, and you're going to use this escape vessel is going to be your pirate vessel. It's the one that you tear apart, build back up, and you make it into a streamlined butterfly to, to roam the seven seas kind of stuff. And it doesn't have to necessarily be just that type thing, but it's it's the same, like, whatever, what is it that, it's kind of like the, the prelude to you being a pirate. It's like, it's the jump point uh, to the adventure. I, for me, if I, if I was going to do a pirate game campaign, I would start it kind of like uh, Black Sails and just tell everybody, okay, you're all pirates. You are on a ship, hmm. and here, your captain is this. You you know you know each other. There's there's you know twenty seven crewmen on here. Mm-hmm. You are 
you are members of the crew. Mm-hmm. And that way, because a lot of people may not have a feel for how what it is to be a to do a pirate kind of thing, mm-hmm. and it will just turn into a normal. What's our, you know, we got to go do the D and D type stuff. Whereas if you if you started out, and there's a captain, an, an NPC captain, you know, doing a thing, you can play. The, that captain as a beloved captain, you know, the crew would die for this guy because he's so awesome. Or maybe, you know, he rules in rules with an iron fist and everybody's scared of him, you know, whatever it might be. And let it kind of build that way. Do they want to mutiny and steal the ship or, or is it more like he's the patron of the group? And you're going in and you're attacking vessels and doing things and running into the, the settlements on the islands and stealing treasure and things like that. And then, you know, because you could build that whole story out and then, but you, you're dropped right in the adventure. You, that first game would be, you know, right across from you is the other ship and you're you're in the middle of a battle. You're trying to disable it so you can get over there and take it stuff and this could be whether you're in space or on the seas or whatever and just kind of like let it build that way and then if something happens to the to the captain at some point then you could have the okay well who among you is going to try to take over the ship i do like i mean i that, i think there are elements of that that i really like too right it just i think it really depends on where your juice is do you do you want that build up and the springboard, or do you want to be thrown right into? And that's the mix that's of probably it, right? a discussion for players and GM right. on session one. Yeah. Like, do you want to start off as pirates on a ship, or do you want the the early stages to be becoming a pirate? Mm-hmm. Because I think if you could ask that question, some groups are going to be like, "I want to just start being a pirate. The whole point of this campaign is to be a pirate, right?" right. And some groups might say. No, we want a longer, drawn-out thing. We want to strategize. We want to build up. We're fine with starting early if we can, you know, you know, yada, yada, yada. Here's mm-hmm. my question, though, that leads from that. Maybe you have this on your notes, John. What makes – so that's like the starting point. But what makes a good campaign and especially a good adventure for pirates? Like, what's mm-hmm. that? And is it different than other types of adventures – that you will, you know, like, like, are there different priorities? Are there different key features of a piratey adventure as opposed to mm. a, 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 a heroic adventure or a dungeoneering adventure? I think for, for me at least, not having run one before, but kind of coming into, into it fresh, I think that a lot of it's going to end up being exploration-based, and it's going to be like rumors and mystery picking up rumors and mysteries or picking up like uh, rumors of treasure, lost treasure, buried treasure or sunken vessels and things like that while you're in dock. And that's essentially the, the docks and the ends become your, like your message, your hero message board or your pirate message board. Uh, but while in the, in the meantime, you're always on the run from the law. Uh, and if you're in, in between the, the, in the hard times and the feast or famine between the the tre- going and finding lost treasure on on islands and things like that or in uh, in various areas like long lost sections of the sea or storm riddled areas of the sea in between those lo- those those dry spells that's whenever you're um, you are attacking merchant vessels and you and the then there's additional risk right there is the a lighter risk to going out and finding some uh, some deserted island somewhere out in the middle of the of the the ocean versus attacking merchant merchant vessels along merchant paths and trying to avoid uh avoid the law effectively right like the the, uh, the merchant marines uh defending those vessels so those are the elements it's, it's exploration it is the you're on the wrong side of the law um and then kind of like this gray area of uh, Robin Hood-esque. Well, you know, they're all rich, fat merchants anyway. So what does it matter? We'll take all their loot we'll loot and plunder, and we don't feel bad about it at all because, you know, we, we need rum and food in our bellies too. Hmm. Uh-huh. So kind of the moral gray. Okay, so, okay, you're talking about the moral gray, which is interesting. 
watching watching those those hardcore pirate shows, not Pirates of the Caribbean. Mm-hmm. What? Uh, I thought that was that was real. That that was, was hard. That's hardcore, Troy. You can't oh, say that that's yeah. not hardcore. Sorry. Okay. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. It's, it's totally hardcore. Thank you. Super all right. hardcore. We're all agreeing. Um, they can't see your head shaking the podcast, so that's, that's right. That's, that's fine. Yeah. They can they can hear the they can hear the marbles rattling around. Uh, are you are you running the risk, or is it a welcome risk to open those doors for those for your players to to play characters that you know to bear droids point to be absolute bastards and being cutthroat and mm-hmm. depending on you know are you going to are you going to allow those slippery slopes to enter into your game yeah. you know because what happens if you know okay they, they they attack this ship well yeah it's a merchant ship but it's also got a whole bunch of uh you know passengers on it mm-hmm. well then what happens part of the uh, ship part of the crew right exactly so are you are you comfortable with allowing your your players to slip into oh yeah no prisoners we're killing everybody you know that kind of a kind of an idea. Um, well, that's pr- that's part of the reason why I don't typically play. I have have no thirst for for uh, a pirate adventure is because it's it been so far into the moral gray that it typically in in my head I feel like it's just going to dip directly into I into think, an evil campaign. It's I just think because right. everybody becomes a selfish ass in the in the uh, in the adventure, yeah. and then it the, it devolves into who wants to yeah. be the captain. Right. That's that's why that's why I think a a good pirate campaign has to have the captain as the patron. Hmm. Whether you yeah. like the patron or not, doesn't matter. Oh, you, so you said like uh, the captain is like is an NPC and not a, a player. Correct. Yeah. Because gotcha. yeah, that you know for a lot you, of groups, I think that'll really yeah, work. Because it keeps it, there. It keeps a tight leash on the the kind of behavior that will end up devolving into. Cannibal each player is cannibalizing one another, right? And and I I feel like if you want a successful campaign, that's that ends up being fun, has longevity, and and doesn't devolve into a lot of uh, douchebaggery at the table. I can see that. I think you need a black you need a black beard. You need a black the, beard or, or yeah something like that. And I think it would be kind of cool if like to use the, the Pirates of the Caribbean. Captain Jack has that compass and he is being driven to find yeah. a MacGuffin. Mm-hmm. And so you're he's taking you on these adventures that yeah. he wants to do. Mm-hmm. And you're kind of like, well, do, and you, I think, do you support the captain? Do you yeah. want to go against the captain? You know, I that think kind also of that, 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 like, I love that you brought up Jack Sparrow. I don't know that I would ever. That's a danger. Talk about a dangerous slope. Inserting a Jack Sparrow like character into your campaign is dangerous. Mm-hmm. Uh, but but that said, I don't. I think that John, you could get your not evil pirate campaign mm-hmm. by focusing on that idea, not the realistic, gritty whatever of pirating and privateering, mm-hmm. but more of the Jack Sparrow fun. Mm-hmm. pirating right i think that that's actually what most people crave is they don't want like yes morally gray sure but they don't want the weight of that those choices to be prevalent i think that they want to be able to go jump onto a boat board it you know do a boarding maneuver you know uh, uh you know loot a boat or take command of it, drop prisoners off at the shore and then sail on. They want to fight sea beasts. Mm -hmm. They want to fight, you know, the undead horde. They want to run from the law. They want to be a scoundrel, but I don't know that most people want to be a pirate in the sense of just like a dirt bag. I would hope not, but I think, I I think you could do like a really fun campaign where like the morally gray ambiguity isn't the, isn't the thing it's more just the the high seas adventure mm-hmm. that's the thing and you can well, think get that's, away with that's it. my thing is like i can high sea adventure i can get 
piracy less so, even though, uh, to your point, I think you could probably do more like an Errol Flynn-like-esque pirate, right? That It's more of a swashbuckler and the uh, or a Dread Pirate Roberts Wesley kind of pirate, right? That's not, that is a, a wink and a nod uh, and like, uh, like, what is it, flying in the face of, of authority or maybe mm-hmm. it's like a corrupt government that they're railing against and they're intentionally attacking these sea va- these these vessels. I mean, you can you can fashion it in, in a way. I'm I'm absolutely certain to where you can make it less douchebaggy or douchebag prone, right? I think the players are going to ultimately be the ones that end up veering it in one direction or another. I do I, I will say this though. I really do like what you're saying, Troy, about uh, your patron is effectively the person that it's my vessel. You're just the crew, right? And it, only when you show me that you can you can run this vessel in a way that doesn't that that operates it the way that I operate it, then maybe the, I'll hand the 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 rudder over to you. But in the meantime, I run this ship. I am captain. I I also like. I I think setting the captain up as a not as an antagonist or someone to be hated, but as someone that the players love mm-hmm. could be really good, right? Sure. To where. It, camaraderie could be a really cool part of a pirate. I know that camaraderie isn't typically what you think of when you think of pirates, but well, like all they have is each other, yeah. right? On the yeah. on the, the and I, I think it, I think it's great too because then it pits you against if pirate versus pirate, right? You've got you have like there are other pirate vessels out there competing against you for for goods and and for treasure, right? Yeah, and if you're 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 following somebody that you care about, and it seems like well he. I think it might actually care about me. That, that's kind of neat. Then it, it also, motivates them to be more loyal towards their the captain and to the vessel that they're under. There's also this idea, right, that like the threat, the main threat when you're boarded isn't necessarily to you. It's to your mm. captain, especially yeah. if you're attacked by another pirate captain, right? Like they're going to board. They're going to maybe kill your captain or take him captive. But then they're going to say, you know, are you going to work for us now? Or you're part of our crew now, right? Mm-hmm. So like, I think that there's some cool moments in there where you can have some cool shifts where it doesn't have to be super deadly. Even if you don't want that as a campaign, well, you know, the, 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 the pirates of the Caribbean, will just stick with that franchise, I guess for now. Right. But like most of the time when they get defeated, it's not to get killed. It's to get taken captive and then they escape or mm-hmm. to just be integrated into another crew. Right. Like it's just, just swapping mm-hmm. who's who's at the helm. And I think that's mm-hmm. cool. And I think that works in space a lot too, right? Like oh, yeah. like to take us that direction, right? Like they you're not gonna especially in space, they don't burn the ship. They don't destroy the ship. You just become assimilated into well, an yeah. even yeah. And I was kind of thinking about that too, because you know, a lot of times as as they raid ships, yeah, like you said, they don't burn them. They keep them. Mm-hmm. If, if they can outfit, if they can outfit it to 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 have guns and and all that stuff, they're probably going to keep it. And the and the pirate captain, it, his their goals are usually to become a pirate admiral. You know, I'm I'm in charge of multiple ships, pirate lord. Yeah, and so yeah. that could be that could be how the player characters get to be captains of their ship mm-hmm. and, and you, they're still all underneath that that one pa- pirates the pirate captain's banner correct or flag correct yeah. you know and then that way they get to call the shots and things like that and i think that's where like the actual if you're going to do like a lot of ship to ship combat i think it would be kind of fun to do well actually you know this pirate captain has four ships his and three others, and now each one of you is the, the the captain and first mate of these other ships. Yeah, that'd be cool. The is there something? Uh, so, so I I've, I have one thing here, but is there something when we go out into space? Is there something that's unique or special there that we don't have in a seafaring? I'll give my example. I think that. Typically, in a seafaring thing, you upgrade ships. That's definitely historically what happens. Not that you upgrade a ship, but that you go mm. from this ship to capturing a bigger one and you upgrade ships, yep. right? Yep. I think in a pirating space adventure, whether that's like a Star Wars thing or whatever, it's mm. more about 
can I modify my ship based on salvage, scrap, you know, black market goods, whatever, to make my ship, like the Millennium Falcon, the fastest ship or the most, mm -hmm. the ship with the most surprises or the, the best stealth or whatever. Like, to me, if I was going to do pirating in space, that... Uh, I'm less worried at that point, maybe a little bit still about ship combat. I think that's definitely an aspect, but I also want like the ability to tweak and mod my ship to be um, ever evolving as opposed to trying to acquire a new vessel. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I can, I can see that. I also see like in space, you can more readily give all the characters something else to do by giving them their own personal fighters. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And when there's a battle, it's... Everybody jumps into their their own personal craft mm -hmm. and goes out and fights um, yeah. to do that. Because, I mean, you really didn't have a whole lot of that at all. It's like, it's kind of hard to fight in a rowboat. Up against yes. Yourself. Yeah. Uh, your one little blunderbuss sitting on the top on your uh, your rowboat, exactly. Rolling exactly. with one hand, loading with the other. I think and another one too is is the the danger of uh, of space travel over the open sea, right? The open the sea sea travel is kind of like a, to me. I, I can see it, or at least traditionally, it's romanticized, right? Uh, yeah. uh, in love with the sea, right? And the sea provides food it provides the storm even though the storms are, are are nasty the rain brings nourishing water it brings sustenance things like that whereas space is it's it's dead the space yep. is dead except for these islands of life that you may or may find and the, those islands of life may be trying to kill you kind of so i think that's a big well, depending on the depending on the type of space adventure right i think spelljammer is probably going to be more of an exception to that i feel i i kind of look at space is in in gaming terms space is just a a sea based adventure turned to 11 because hmm. you know you're out there on the water if 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 your ship is damaged to the point where you can't do anything mm -hmm. you're, you're gonna die just like you would in space there's creatures out there that can take you out especially in a fantasy game you know so while in, in reality yes space is way more dangerous for us than than what is here on earth in in gaming terms and in story terms it's basically the same it's spell jammer it is identical right because you have your own like air bubbles when you're, you're right right <laughs> but i mean but yeah, I you're, you're just like you know if you get stuck out if you get airlocked in yeah. space it's really no different than getting planked at sea mm, you know because yeah. you're stuck out in the middle of this wide open ocean and you just got kicked off the boat see what you're experiencing here chat is troy I think it's it's already been established on this show. Troy has an absolute terror of deep water. Oh, screw the ocean. And I and I you and me both. Well, I, and I was going to say, and I have after visiting NASA, I have an an absolute terror of deep space. Um. So we're by default, you know, that there's definitely some aspects there. Uh, the the sea doesn't feel like an intimidating place for me, even in a game. Like it's cool, <laughs> it's interesting. There's a lot of cool stuff there, um, but space, man. Uh, I did not have a I did not have a phobia of space until I went to NASA, and I developed a phobia walking through NASA. So, well, I, don't, I definitely don't want to get airlocked anytime soon. But. Dude, yeah, but but I think have I told you guys this? little yeah, short you, note. you told me about it i haven't heard it yet so john in nasa there is the they have this area where you walk into this room it's a, it's got a big dome you know it looks like a, a, a space you know there's like star field and whatnot mm -hmm. above it you right and they've got two crafts and chat's gonna tell me what those crafts are probably but they've got these two crafts that were uh, uh vessels that were manned that would orbit the earth Mm -hmm. um, 
before we were like doing a moon landing or whatever, right? The Apollo and whatever they were, yeah. And so one of them is a vessel that uh, they kind of showed that 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 literally it felt like you know how you like slide like slide in or like like bolt the door on or whatever into Mm -hmm. like a, a race car, right? To like you are like sandwiched in there, compact. There's no room to wiggle, right? It's that, right? So they're like, you got a, you got like a terminal with all these bells and whistles and whatnot all around you. This is before computers, right? So there's like no real tech, and you're like, you know, serpentined into this space, welded in, then launched into the space, and they were in that vessel for a week with literally like this much metal between them and open space. And you see that ship out there floating. And I'm like, okay, that's 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 unnerving. But then there's another one. And this is where I decided space was my enemy. Um, there was another one that was I- almost identical, except that it was a two-seater, right? So you and your buddy, they would send them up into space for a week in this thing where there's no room to move at all. You are, It's like sitting in a lawn chair, reclining lawn chair with a screen right in front of you. Except that on this one, the, the doors were openable, and as part of the week-long drift in space, you would put on your helmets, both of you, and you would just open the door like a Lamborghini, and you would clip yourself on to your console, you would slide out, and you're just in space. And all the while, your buddy's just right there. And I was like, hard hell no. Like, <laughs> it, it, it like freak me out to think about just like you're in this, you know, thing that's slightly bigger than a car. You have no room to move. And then you're going to like, all right, here I go. I'm putting on my helmet. I'm just going to open the door. And there's infinite black. Right. And I'm going to push myself out of that. What does Brian have to do with this? Oh my gosh. Just, yeah. Yeah. So the, okay, Well, the, what got me, I remember uh, being a kid and looking up at the sky Whenever there wasn't nearly as much light pollution where I where I lived, I was out in the country and looked up, and only recently have I seen the sky like that again. Um, looking up and just being feeling like I was, I felt like I was going to be swallowed by how much there was out there, and feeling very very small and insignificant. And then watching um, movies where uh, people are doing spacewalks, and the idea of just being propelled out into that black. It not even we're not even like in a in a ship, right? There's there's literally just like flexible, like mylar like material and and a, a little plastic yep. shield in your face. That's all there is between you and just an infinite amount of in, emptiness yeah. in the in the universe. Yeah, is just the and then and then that's the the remainder of your existence is screaming through the void. In, in abs- absolute terror and alone and tethered to nothing, absolutely nothing. It's just being like, oh my god, just. And, but the thing is, though, I don't feel like that's a whole lot worse than than being on being in, in the ocean, though, because the problem with the ocean is everything in it wants to eat me, everything, and I've that's got not nothing true. I can do about it. That's, that's not true. Everything there, wants there's, everything there's wants a piece 99% of Ninety nine percent of the things in the ocean do not want to eat you. I think that's a lie. I think that's propaganda. That's that's <laughs> that is that's propaganda built by the by the ocean <laughs> to make you to make you fall to give you a false sense of security so you'll go into it. Yeah, well <laughs> listen. screw the ocean, man. I, I hate the ocean too. I mean, I, I like I like Chris's thought. You know, as phobias go, fear of space travel is the best one to have because you know, most of us will never get there. So yeah, yeah, no, not like no. it's going to be a big thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Bear droids got yeah. The ocean is kind of like a desert. It's vast swaths of nothing, and then there's mm-hmm. random things in there that just want to. And then there's and then there's the worms. Yeah. Then there's shy halud. Yeah, um, you, have to, you, have, you can't walk in rhythm. You have to like. Yeah, yeah, right. yeah. You can't look like a seal. Right, you can't nope, paddle right. to look like a seal. Right. Yeah, it's bad. Right. It, this works on a lot of levels. Um, yeah. The so sea, the sea and space are both a very deadly enemy to be considered <laughs> in these campaigns. Well, uh, right. So the sea and space are both things to be survived and traversed. Right. And, 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 right. and like to your point, John, 
they're both romanticized because when you watch movies about, you know, like Star Wars or whatever, how, or even like Star Trek, how, oh, I love being out in space. It's just, mm -hmm. you know, it is that romantic, ro romanticized, yeah, what you said about the sea and space at the same time. Mm -hmm. um, it just, it's kind of taken for granted that it, it all wants to kill you. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Oh, yes. Yeah. yeah. Well, um, I mean, we, we kind of dove into this topic impromptu because we woke up this morning like, Pirate Day, let's change everything. Um, but, but I think, you know, for, for, for what, for, for diving just straight in, I think we've had a fun time talking about pirates. Uh, yeah. there's obviously a million other pieces of pirates, probably eight pieces that we could talk about. Um, nice. You're welcome. Uh, well yeah. Well uh, 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 but that is probably a good point to stop there. So you got a lot of talk about pirate starting adventures. You got a lot of talk about ship combat. You got a little bit of talk about campaigns of pirates, but you got talks about deep water and deep space because why not? Um, and and I feel like that's that that's solid. Um, yeah. yeah. One of these days, I want to I want to try to run a, a Pirates of Dark Water. Yeah. <gasps> Noiji Tut. That'd be awesome. Hmm. All right. Well, you you heard. Well, okay, I got that at least. Thank you, Troy. It yeah. was just you and me, buddy. And you. like just... four or five listeners out there got the. Got the <laughs> Yeah, no, I did not. Jongo Longo, that'd be a good time. Yeah, uh, Quacky and Monkey Lizard or whatever they were called. Was, yeah, it was that uh, Quakey Totten Monkey Bird. Yeah, yeah. Monkey, the Monkey Bird. Yeah. yeah. Bear <laughs> Droid. It is an underrated show. I love that show. That's right. Take it off the air too soon. Not enough oh, toys gosh. sold. Well, hey, chat, thanks a lot for hanging out. Lots of good, lots of good feedback in chat tonight. That's what we like to see. Uh, be sure to pop back in on Thursday. And until then, thanks a lot, and we'll see you next time. Play some great games. And if you know, you know. I surely be kind to one another. And while you're at it, be safe on the open sea. Bye, everybody. Or space. Or, or yes, or space. space.